Hello everyone, and welcome to our journey through childhood cancer. I'm Ben Shoyer, and I am the host of this podcast. The reason why I started this podcast was a little over a year ago. A good friend of mine came to me and said, Ben, you know, you should really consider starting some sort of like informational video, some YouTube channel or a podcast, something that could help newly diagnosed families go through the journey of childhood cancer. I got thinking about it. I'm like, you know, maybe what I have to offer informational wise could help a family that's been diagnosed. A little over three years ago, we started a foundation called Casting for the Kids. And it's been a privilege to be able to help so many families that are going through childhood cancer. But along the way, I've talked to all these families individually. Some I've met bedside at the hospital, some in the lobby, some at a park. I've had these conversations with these families, and I've heard their stories, and I've learned what works for them. And what works for them might not work for you, but might work for me. But what works for me might work for you. So there's going to be a lot of information in this podcast to go through a childhood cancer diagnosis, the journey, and not only about the, the patient, the child that's been diagnosed, the siblings and what they go through as well. Oftentimes, children, the, the other siblings, they get forget, forgot about during a childhood cancer diagnosis. And it's not that anybody intends to forget about it. It's just what happens. There's so much focus needs to be on the child that's going through childhood cancer that the, the siblings feel left out, whether it's intended or not. So we'll speak about that. We'll speak about the true fact of post-traumatic stress disorder when it comes to childhood cancer, because it's definitely there. It exists. We'll interview some families that's been going through it or who have been through it. We'll talk about what worked for them. We'll talk about what worked for me. And maybe some of this information will help you in your journey. And even if you don't have a child diagnosed with cancer, maybe a good friend of yours, this child's been diagnosed with cancer. And this video and podcast will also help you along the way and understand maybe what they're going through. Thank you for joining the podcast. I hope you continue to check in. If you're interested in being a part of the podcast, if you're a childhood cancer family and want to share a little bit of your story and what worked for you, feel free to email me at ourjourneywithchildhoodcancer at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our first episode of Our Journey Through Childhood Cancer with your host, Ben Schroyer. In this first episode, I'm going to discuss with you the diagnosis. I'm going to share with you our story on our diagnosis. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about uh, how I handled it and, and how my wife handled it, how our boys took it. And we'll, we'll just go from there. So it was early December 2017, Hannah became ill. And we thought it was just one of those everyday run-of-the-mill viruses, right? Something viral. She had a low-grade fever, and she was tired. I mean, really, that's pretty much all of her symptoms that, that we knew of at the time, anyways. 
So we took her to our local pediatrician after about three or four days of not getting any better. And she confirmed kind of what we thought was it's viral. She said, take her home, give her some rest and plenty of fluids. So doctor's orders, that's what we follow. Several days later, she's still not getting any better. We're getting ready to travel to Illinois for Christmas, and we wanted to make sure that she was okay to go. So Ginger called the pediatrician, and I don't remember offhand if Ginger took her back in to see the pediatrician or if the pediatrician just called something in for us. But the pediatrician agreed and put her on some antibiotics to maybe help get her over the hump. So we put her on some antibiotics, and we traveled to Illinois, 16-hour drive, with a two-year-old who didn't feel well in a car seat. You can imagine how well that went over. It was a rough ride. We get to Illinois, and she just didn't seem like she was getting any better. In fact, I felt like she was getting worse because the ginger went into town one day, and I called her and I said, Ginger, Hannah's sleeping like forever. She's down for like a three and a half hour nap. So Ginger agreed, you know, Hannah's not getting any better. Um, she came home and we decided that the best thing to do would be take her to the local emergency room there in Vandalia. So Ginger puts Hannah in the car, takes her into the emergency room. They do a CAT scan, blood work, and a urine sample. Come to find out, they they came back with a, a possible UTI. So, okay, a urinary tract infection, right? Well, the antibiotics that our pediatrician in Sarasota had put her on didn't really handle or take care of UTI, so they changed up her antibiotics. Put her on some new antibiotics, and it still just seemed like she couldn't break that hump, even two or three days into it. You know, to me, when you're on antibiotics in 24 hours, you pretty much kind of turn the corner, right? You start feeling better. Kids start feeling better. She wasn't. So we know we knew something was off. Uh, we do Christmas. And we come back home here to Sarasota. And it was on New Year's Eve that my wife said, you know, I got we got to take her back in. So I'm taking her back to the pediatrician on the 2nd when, when the office opens. And we're not leaving until we have answers. So on January 2nd of 2018, Ginger took Hannah back to our pediatrician who immediately told Ginger, if I were you or she was my niece, I would take her to All Children's Hospital in St. Pete ASAP. So Ginger puts her in the car and takes her to All Children's. She calls me. I'm at a house helping a buddy remodel. And she said they just got her in. They're doing some testing. It was mentioned that maybe she had a ruptured spleen. Okay. How do we handle that? You know, how, how do we deal with that? Uh, how did that happen? Etc. Uh, not don't know. Just we'll know more shortly. I'll keep you posted. Okay, perfect. Thanks.
keep helping my buddy. A little bit later, she calls back, and her voice is, is rap. It's, uh, she's really choking up. And uh, she said, Ben, uh, they have found a mass. And I stopped what I was doing and kind of looked around. I, I said, what, what did you say? She said, they, a mass. They found a mass. And I, I, I said, you mean like, you mean like cancer? She said, I, I don't know. We'll know more probably in the morning. They're admitting us now. My whole world came to a stop. I stopped what I was doing. It was like I was in some sort of a fog. I looked at my buddy and I said, I, I got to go. I got I got to go get my boys. I got to go home. And we got to figure out what's going on with Hannah. He said, absolutely, man. Let me know what I can do to help. I will I, just tell me what I can do. I said, I, I appreciate it, but I, I got to go get my boys. I went and picked up my boys. Um, and, you know, when it comes, and you'll hear about this later on in this diagnosis story, but it, friends are everything and family is everything. And, and your support group is more than everything. It means more than everything to you. So I went and picked up my boys from our friend's house. And I, I said, I, I don't know what's going on. I just know that it's not good and that they have found a mass. And I, I, I will know more tomorrow. Uh, she gave me a big hug and said she'd be praying for us. The boys and I came home, and, and actually my, my buddy, who I was helping at the time, and I don't want to mention names because I, I don't have permission to mention names, so I don't want to throw their names out there, but they're good friends of ours. Um, you know, he came over to the house. Uh, he said, you know, my wife told me what was going on, so I'm I'm here to be with you, and that really meant a lot. Um, you know, he's he was trying to tell me, well, it's probably nothing. You know, stuff like that happens all the time. People get tumors and masses, and and they're not even cancer. So you know, he was trying to comfort me a little bit, and I, and I did appreciate that. Uh, we went back. We went up to the hospital. I took the boys up to the hospital. Ginger's mom flew in immediately like, like a red-eye flight um and i will mention her name her name's terry uh, i don't care if i have her permission or not um terry was amazing uh, she was there with us the boys and we get in the room and dr moore come in and dr moore and his uh, nurse practitioner i believe and he came in and you know they're getting ready to tell us what they found and um and hannah's diagnosis so ginger asks dr moore do, do the boys need to stay or should they go and dr moore you know i believe he said i think it's up it's up to you but they should probably leave and when you hear that you already know that the news is probably not very good, right? So Terry takes the boys for a walk 
gets out of the room. We sat down with Dr. Moore and his nurse practitioner. And he said, you know, it is what we thought it was. I was sitting on the couch. Dr. Moore was sitting in the chair. Ginger was sitting on the bed with Hannah. And uh, his nurse was standing in the room. And he said, it is what we thought it was. Uh, it is cancer. Uh, neuroblastoma, to be exact. Now, Ginger's being Ginger. Um, she's jotting all, she's taking notes and logging the whole conversation. And I'm just trying to wrap my head around what I'm being told. He said, you know, it's neuroblastoma. And if I have to stage it, so, you know, when it comes to cancer, there's stages, right? Stage one, stage two, stage three, stage four, stage four being the ultimate worst. You know, that's what you think anyways, terminal kind of stuff. So Dr. Moore's like, if I have to stage it when it comes to this, I would have to stage it at stage four high risk. My heart was just ripped out of my chest. I sat there and, and not only thought, but knew we were probably going to lose our baby girl. And that's, uh, that's a hard thing to have to try to wrap your head around. Um, you know, they always say, and I said at the beginning here is, the, the four words a parent should never have to hear is your child has cancer. And until you hear those words, you don't truly know the impact on how hard it hits you. Your whole world just freezes. Life stops. And you try to wrap your head around, how are we going to deal with this? What are we going to do? How are we going to tell our, our boys? How are we going to tell the family? Like, this is... This is bad. This is really, really bad. He went on to say, you know, that with neuroblastoma, it is a cancer that they know pretty well. And even at stage four, if she can survive the treatment program that they got to put her on, the plan, she had a shot at beating it. But it was only like a 40% chance. Now, when, you, when you're given 40% chance of survival, you know the odds aren't pretty good, but that's the only hope we had at the time, so we'll take it, right? So Dr. Moore, you know, he leaves the room, says he'll get, we'll be starting chemo shortly, getting on a plan and, and, and getting after this thing. Boys come back in the room with Terry. Ginger does tell Terry that it is cancer. She'd tell me a little bit more about it. Tell her a little bit more about it when she could. And I needed some fresh air. I had to get out of there. It was, I, I just needed to take a walk. I had to try to come to terms with what I was just told. And this is the whole me handling it differently than my wife. My wife handling it differently than my mother-in-law. And, and how we're going to tell the boys. How they're going to handle it. But right at that particular time, in that moment, I needed to be by myself and try to figure something out. 
So I left 7 South. I walked down the hallway. And I just kind of paced around the hallway there by the elevators, looking out the window, trying to figure out what I was just told. And if anybody has ever dealt with child life at John Hopkins Hall Children's Hospital, I'm sure you have the same thoughts and feelings that I do, that they're absolutely amazing people. They do what they can to help us through difficult times and, and, and battles and what have you. Uh, I was up there on the floor walking around, and one of the child life specialists come by, and I think she was heading to the 7th South, probably even to our room. And she sees me in the hallway, and she says, Hey, Dad, how are you? How you doing? How you holding up? And I just turned to look at her like, who are you? And why are you asking me this question? I said, I, I'm fine. I'm, I'm good. And I turned around to start kind of walking away. Like, I don't want to talk to anybody right now. Cause I didn't, I did not want to talk to anybody at that point in time. She said, uh, you know, you're just like every other dad or father up here on 7 South that just got told the news that you got. You're walking around here trying to figure out how you're going to fix it, and you just don't know how, and it's it's eating you alive. Never truer words were spoken. She hit the nail right on the head. That's exactly what I was doing. I was trying to figure out how are we going to fix this? What can we do to make this right? How are we going to get our baby girl healthy again? That's all I cared about. I didn't care about one other thing in the world at that point in time. Nothing else mattered. I didn't care about bills at home, how we're going to afford this journey. Nothing. Only thing that mattered to me was our daughter and how we are going to get her healthy and how are we going to keep her alive because nothing else mattered at the time. So I get pull myself together a little bit. I go back in the room and all I want to do is be by Hannah. I sit down on the bed by her. I rubbed her arms and her feet. Just really soaked it in. Because I didn't know if we'd have a lot of time left with her. I didn't know. It was hard. It was really hard. We explained to the boys a little bit about what was going on. We didn't go too much into detail about, you know, stage four, this isn't good um, kind of stuff. But we did let them know that she had cancer and that she's going to be in the hospital for a while and that we had to do what we could to try to make her better. So I took the boys and went on home. I called my parents on the way home, shared with them the news. They took it just like any of other of us took it. It's rough. Horrible, horrible news. Uh, and I hated to have to call my grandparents and tell them, you know, that they were older. And I didn't know how they would soak in that type of news. Um, my grandpa had a bad heart. and You know, it was just, ugh. It was a really bad time in our life. And we get home, you know, I made the boys get ready for bed and you know again our our support team was amazing our, our good friends um you know they they did everything they could to help and another reason why i don't want to say any names because 
there's too many names to say. I could go down a list all day long of everybody that helped us in our journey. And we are truly grateful for it and forever will be. But we get home and, you know, one of our friends had actually started us a, a meal train. So we had a nice hot meal waiting for us at home when we got home. And, uh, you know, it was uh, a dinner. Uh, Hayden looked at me and just said, Dad, is Hannah going to die? Oh, man. He just went through a horrible day. He just got hit again. One of your kids asking you a question that you didn't have an honest answer to. The only thing I could come up with at the time, and this is what I've shared with other families because it seems to have worked for other families. They've said they've used it. And by the grace of God, I don't know how these words came to me, but I said, Hayden, the doctors, your mom and I, we're doing everything we possibly can to make sure that that doesn't happen. Okay, bud? And he accepted that. I didn't know. Maybe she would make this to this journey, and, and maybe she wouldn't. But I, I wasn't going to say, yes, she's going to be fine, because I didn't know. But I didn't want to tell him that she wasn't either, because I didn't know that either. So the best thing to say in those moments is, we're doing everything we can to make sure that that doesn't happen. And, and that seemed to work with them. So we have this brand new diagnosis and this new journey that lays ahead of us, right? We got a whole plan being laid out by a medical team that we're going to have to follow. We're going to have to knuckle down. We're going to have to become a strong family. I'm going to have to become a single dad raising two boys at home while Ginger lives at the hospital with Hannah. I'm going to have to try to work some and when I can and also separate my time from work, the boys, and the hospital because I still wanted to be with Hannah as well. And Ginger deserved to see the boys. So we're going to get into that in the next episode. This is kind of really just to go over like the diagnosis. And if you're a new childhood cancer family that's just been diagnosed, I'm with you, man. I get it. It's rough. It's it's a it's a scary time. And continuing to listen to this podcast is just going to only help you a little bit better, especially if you have siblings. And and maybe help un- understand uh, how how we navigate through the, this this type of a journey together and as a childhood cancer community. I want to thank you all for joining in for this podcast. It's was an honor. Uh, next episode, we'll go into a little bit about cancer journeys. Um, probably going to have a guest speaker or two. Uh, so looking forward to it. God bless everybody. <laughs>